Hello, I'm Joshua Groisberg, a history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News. And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics. This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire, we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. We'd like to welcome Michelle Ann Cohen, a recent biology graduate uh, from BU, who's going to a nursing program in the summer with the goal of becoming a nurse practitioner. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle, how are you feeling about Biden's administration so far with the appointments and the executive orders in general? I mean, I think I, like a lot of people, um, am able to breathe at least some degree of a sigh of relief um, now that Biden has been inaugurated. I think, you know, just seeing behind his appointments and his administration and a logical evidence-based press briefing has sort of been, unfortunately, a breath of fresh air. But fortunately, that's our situation. I'm grateful that he's president. Um, I feel that he is competent. I feel that he has put together a very strong team of officials. Um, And I think that coming into office during a global pandemic is a a difficult feat for anyone. So that's, I think, important to keep in mind. It's not going to just be super easy from here on out. Let's turn to the pandemic. Um, How would you rate our response so far as a country? Now that that Biden is taking over, what what do, you, what do you say we've done right? What would you say we've done wrong? I mean, I think uh, what makes it also challenging is that Biden taking over is something I'm thankful for, but it has also happened so far into a process in which up until then, I believe we handled the pandemic quite abysmally on multiple fronts, um, especially when we obviously, you know, if we're comparing them to other countries, you do have to adjust for things like size and the particular citizens um, and, you know, numerous other factors. But I think it's still pretty apparent regardless that there are myriad other countries have gotten a handle on the the pandemic um, much better than we have. And I had a friend, for example, who was stuck abroad when she was studying abroad last spring during the pandemic. She was stuck abroad in Australia and she couldn't go home. And I was FaceTiming her from the US. And by the end of the summer, there were already fewer restrictions in Australia because they had gotten their cases um, under control. And so I think sort of leading up to now, the fact that this pandemic wasn't taken seriously, there was so much misinformation spread, we had mixed messages being sent out by the president at the time being Trump, the former president, um, sort of encouraging all of these most public health and safety violations. Um, nothing is going to make up for all of the lives that were lost during that period of time. And nothing is going to make up for all of the damage that was done when we could have been taking better precautions. That being said, I think the vaccine is promising. I think the Biden administration is trying their best to roll out the vaccine to every U.S. citizen. And now that we are going to be prioritizing evidence-based practice again and safer measures, I am hoping that whatever comes next with these new strains and with rolling out the vaccine will be handled much more efficiently and ethically. What steps do you think President Biden and the government in general should take to ensure that there's fewer people dying and that the pandemic is 
overtaken fairly quickly? I don't think there's a simple solution to that, unfortunately. I think that they're doing the best that they can. I think prioritizing the vaccine rollout is one of our best defenses. However, you know, there is this new strain, the vaccine is still new. Um, we don't know how it's going to fare against the new strain. Um, there's still so much that's unknown. I think prioritizing the vaccine, prioritizing research and being a lot stricter about safety guidelines. One of the benefits of having the Biden administration is that we are no longer going to be viewing safety mandates as optional or they're called mandates for a reason. And I think we're going to have an administration that in the public eye is encouraging that and hopefully will create stricter guidelines as to what is or isn't allowed in public at a given time. I think the struggle that we're going to see is a lot of that legislation is still determined by state. So there's only so much that Biden can do. So uh, the Johnson Johnson vaccine is the third major US vaccine to be rolled out, almost approved, ordered by the federal government. It's a one shot vaccine. It's said to be less overall effective against the virus, but still I believe 85% effective against the most severe fear cases. Do you think that this vaccine will play a major part in turning the tide against the pandemic? Or do you think that this is still, with the new variants, this, this won't do a, this won't be the game changer many thinks it will be? I think, honestly, in any case this complex, for everyone or anyone to put all of their hope on one thing and single out to be a game changer is dangerous. Um, solutions are really that simple. That being said, I do think it will play a significant role, especially given the fact that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine has different ingredients from the other two in that it doesn't contain um, polyethylene glycol and other ingredients that might prevent people with allergies, certain allergies from getting the vaccine. I think it might help in boosting herd immunity if it is effective enough because more people will be able to get that vaccine. So Maryland's become the first state in the U.S. to report cases of the new South African variant what large-term impact do you think the South African variant will have on the country reopening in the future and returning to normalcy? I think, you know, mutations are always so difficult to track because they are inherently random, um, you know, genetically, biologically, the way that mutations happen is it's a very, a very natural random process. Um, gearing toward obviously in theory survived because it was advantageous to the virus right so that would be why in theory this strain is more dangerous that's why it's surviving that's why it's propagating um which is something to look out for that being said you know mutation isn't a novelty we see different mutations in the flu every year the difference is we have a controlled regimen for creating a flu vaccine we have a whole process we're very prepared I think the greatest impact it's going to have short-term and potentially long-term because, you know, I don't think any of us know quite how long these effects will last, um, is that if the vaccine is not as effective in neutralizing that strain of the virus, you know, how effective is it going to be? What are the side effects going to be? And then what's the mutation rate of the virus? Are we going to be seeing other strains like the South African strain popping up soon and, and running up against those challenges as well. I would like to 
hope that the long-term effects have to do with better public health and safety legislation overall and more funding and importance put into evidence-based practices clinically and into scientific research and into preventative research rather than waiting until something gets so bad that we have no choice but to panic. So that's my hope. So there's been talk of, uh, uh, with the new variants of um, double masking. I think a uh, few officials such as, uh, such as Transportation Secretary nominee Pete Buttigieg had the double mask, had two masks on. What are your two cents? I mean, absolutely. I think double masking can help, especially you know, going to more crowded public spaces such as the grocery store. I know from my own experience, here in Massachusetts, where we in many ways are more fortunate and more protected in terms of our public health legislation. Um, People still aren't following the guidelines. People still aren't social distancing, especially during busy hours in my experience in the grocery store. Um, People will literally bang their carts into you. They don't care. So any protection, any additional protection, I suppose, in those larger public spaces is helpful. And I think the more that we can listen to the experts and actually take their advice, the better off we will be. Um, and I think what's really wonderful about the double masking information coming out of this, at this time is I've already seen a lot of really helpful infographics and a lot of different ways that experts and professionals are trying to make the information really accessible so that everyone can use these guidelines. So. Uh, I am, you know, hopeful that people will. And I think that it's absolutely something to do. If you can protect yourself more against the coronavirus, there's no reason not to. And you could be indirectly protecting others as well. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Do you have an estimate on when we would possibly be returning to normalcy? The question everyone wants answered. I think, you know... Normalcy is a strange word. And I think that this pandemic, like any other major global event, will have some degree of irreversible change on us as a community, as a a nation in the US, as a global community as well. Um, So I think there will be a degree of a new normal. That being said, I would like to hope and sort of just being cautious by other estimates that I've seen in the literature that at some point in at least 2022, um, activities that would not have been possible in the pandemic, such as maybe going to concerts and large events like that might be possible again. Um, But I mean, who knows? It is so unpredictable, you know, I wouldn't have predicted back in last March that the pandemic was going to rise so quickly and that the effects were going to be so drastic so quickly. Um, And similarly, you know, we could end up finding new information that helps protect us and allows us to slowly return to more 
standard normal activities a lot faster. Um, and similarly, a curveball could be thrown our way that prolongs the effects of the virus and draws this out a little longer. Obviously, I hope that that's not the case, but in fairness, both are realistic possibilities. Um, I, I'd like to believe though that the majority of us who do understand the pandemic for what it is and have been behaving as responsibly as we can given our circumstances, um, that it will show that we as a community forgetting the outliers who are still mask deniers and the like, um, we are resilient and we are strong. And I think that even during the time that's already passed in this pandemic, we've seen an increase in the importance that people place on their interpersonal relationships and hopefully um, like a revision of our own values as people and rethinking what matters most. And so I'd like to think that whenever we do return to any sense of normal, perhaps it will be a more empathetic and ethical normal in which we hopefully feel more united than divided. So as someone just coming out of college, going to graduate school, getting the first jobs, you know, Biden has his new $1.9 trillion uh, rescue plan for the U.S. economy, uh, $2,000 checks, unemployment insurance, raising the minimum wage, expanding the use of child tax credit. Do you think it's a good idea? Do you think that stuff has the $15 minimum wage? Is that a good idea? And uh, what are you hoping that your generation will take from the pandemic, this experience? I mean, I'm really hoping, and my generation also, um, I'm sort of in an interesting spot because depending on who you ask, I'm either a millennial or a Gen Z, I'm sort of right on the cusp. Um, but for argument's sake, I refer to myself as one of the very eldest of the Gen Z elders. Um, I think that what my generation has already shown is so much hope and so much passion and, you know, a lot aren't afraid to be involved in politics at a young age or an example of that. And, you know, so many of us are really forcing ourselves, even if it wouldn't be our norm. I mean, I know people who wouldn't have considered themselves quote unquote political a year ago who are much more political now. And I think that has been an impact is a lot of us are becoming more aware and more educated and are pushing for legislation that we think will benefit us more. I think when, when it comes to an economic plan as complex as Biden's, it's hard to just label it as good or bad. And I think that while there are many benefits to raising the minimum wage, and it has been that in most cases I am for, um, it is also a complex solution. And you wanna make sure that you are doing that in an economy that can handle that and in areas that can afford that because if raising the minimum wage without providing resources and you know providing other financial resources in that plan to allow the communities to sustain that minimum wage and to allow a feasible minimum everywhere, not just in affluent neighborhoods, um, then there's still sort of this issue of um, inequity. Um, but I think that overall, it is of course a very helpful idea as someone 
you know, even with the experience that I've had and with the education that I've been so fortunate to have, um, has worked minimum wage jobs for the majority of her life. Every little extra bit helps. And the reality is, although we think in an idealized world that minimum wage jobs are just a stepping stone, um, there are myriad people in this country who are surviving off of minimum wage jobs. And the minimum should be the minimum one needs to survive. And that is just not the case right now with our current, especially in the current economy, especially in a pandemic when small businesses and even not so small businesses are already closing. Prices are being jacked up because everyone's just trying to stay afloat. I mean, I think it's a necessity at this point. Any last words you wanna tell our listeners? I mean, since I could probably do a hundred million TED Talks on the importance of critical thinking and misinformation um, in this current world in which we live, especially the fact that a lot of us are of a younger generation who grew up or nearly grew up with a lot of social media and access to the internet, I would just encourage everyone think critically about the information that they're receiving, be it through social media or through the web or through word of mouth, um, to be skeptical without being a conspiracy theorist. You know, there's a balance. Um, and to think critically about the information you're receiving, to look at multiple sources. Um, and, you know, I know that right now this pandemic can scary and that it can take a toll on all of us in different ways and that it can certainly negatively impact one's mental health and make something that in a non-pandemic situation would be a small issue feel very magnified. Um, But to remember to do the same thing and to pace yourselves and to take care of yourselves and remember that despite the fact that there's a lot of wonderful information out there and a bevy of great resources at your disposal. Um, There's also a lot of clickbait out there. There's also a lot of misleading headlines and it's very difficult sometimes. Um, So whenever you're taking in new information, do your best not to panic. And if you do panic, take a step back, take a deep breath, read whatever is the entirety of it is that you're looking at. And then go check elsewhere at reputable sources and look at experts and really means because the title of a BuzzFeed article about something scientific might get a very, very high summary, vague idea of what the actual truth is, but it is going to be the exact same as, you know, what the science actually says. So just to keep that in mind is super important and helpful. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Likewise. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zero's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zero's Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly, with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.